Okay, so um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. I think we looked at that in the last session. And I said that Paul is, um, he says, joy is hard work. Um, he says in that verse, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 24, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Joy is work. Um, and faith and joy are connected. They are, um, they are part uh, joy is is part of faith. Um, if you if you have faith in the Lord Jesus, but you have no joy in Him, you don't really know who He is. In which case, who have you really believed in? Do you see what I mean? So they are they are connected, and um, and actually that connection is all over Scripture. It's it's all over. God connects what it means to believe with other things. Um, John six verse thirty five. Jesus is talking about the fact that he is the bread of life. And what he says is, come to me. Whoever comes to me will never hunger or thirst. And so he's connecting coming to him with believing. So having faith is the same as coming to Jesus. Um, believing is being satisfied in Christ. I've had a couple of conversations over lunch and I have had them many, many times with people. You know, believing in Jesus is not just believing who he is and what he did and, and, and trusting that you're going to go to heaven because of it. Putting your faith in Christ, it, it means that you've come to him and he is the all-sustaining food of your life. That you know he is more than enough for you. That he's more than enough to, to, to satisfy your hunger and your thirst. And if you don't know Christ like that, you need to ask him to show you that about himself. You need to ask him to draw you closer so that he is the, the satisfaction of your life. Because that's what he says here. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. That parallels whoever believes. It's the same thing. He's, he's saying that if you come to me, you'll never hunger. If you believe in me, you will never thirst. So if you find yourself thirsting or hungering for anything else, you know you haven't got close enough to Christ. Do you see what I mean? He says he is the bread of life. He is the water of life. He is that. And so when we come to him, we should find that actually, although, of course, we live in, we inhabit human bodies, we still have human desires, our spiritual, our soul hunger should be satisfied in Christ. And if it's not, it's because we don't know him well enough. We just don't know him well enough. And so then, then the question is, will you get closer? Will you get closer? Because he, he has already told you everything about himself here. And he said that everything you need is in him. In Colossians chapter 3, I think it is, Paul will write, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ Jesus. So wisdom, knowledge, understanding, insight, um, uh, all the desires of food and, and thirst and uh, health and everything you need is in Christ. Everything for your soul I'm talking about. I'm talking about your body. I'm talking about your soul. Your soul's needs. You have been designed and created by God with specific needs. And those needs are all met in Christ Jesus. That's why before you're a believer, you are hunting around for satisfaction that you can't find. 
because we are designed to find our satisfaction in Christ. And until we do, we're always lost and unsatisfied or dissatisfied. So believing is finding your, um, your soul's hunger satisfied in Christ. That's what it is. And the problem is that's not explained to many Christians. We don't get that explained to, to us when we first come to the Lord. We, we hear the gospel and we, we believe it. And at that level, we, we are saved, if you like. But very often we are shown as that that's all there is. That's it. Now go off and do the best you can until you die and then you'll go to be with God. And, and actually that's what we, we propagate in the, in the church, as if that's all there is. But there is so much more because Christ is everything that we need. But it is a fight to lay hold of because it, God knows that unless you are part of the process, it's meaningless. You'll never receive it unless you make yourself a part of the process. Chris and Fran talked about being a part of the, the fellowship of the burning heart. Now, on one level, you could say, if you've received the Lord Jesus, you're already in that fellowship. You're in the fellowship of believers, but you're not in a fellowship of the burning heart until you actively say to the Lord, I want more of you. I want to know you like this. I want to know that you are more than sufficient, that your grace is more than enough. I want to have my soul hunger satisfied. You know, and that's, that's more than we are often offered in Christ because we've settled for some level of anorexic Christianity. And Christ is saying there is so much more to be had. Um, Paul writes in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. And as I've said, faith, joy is connected with faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul died full of joy. I know that he died full of joy, the joy of the Lord, because he can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I want to say that. I do. I want to say that. I want to be able to face the Lord Jesus when he comes back for me. I want to be able to face him and say, I fought the fight. I finished the race. I did whatever I could do. I want to meet him like that. Whether it's when I die or when he comes back for the church, it doesn't matter. I just want to be able to see him and say, you know, I did my part. I did my part. Now, I know that it's all God who does it, so I know that, you know. But throughout Scripture, we're told that God works with us. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse um, 12 uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It's God who is at work in you, but you have to work out your salvation. It's two together, always. God won't force us. He won't force you into a deeper relationship with him. He won't force you to fight for joy. You will just starve of joy if you are not prepared to fight for it. 
You will starve from hunger. You will be so lacking strength that you won't be able to stand when the winds come and when the floor shakes beneath you because you won't have eaten of the bread of life. You will be tossed about by every wind of doctrine if you do not fight for the faith that you have been given. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, um, that wonderful chapter of love, you know, that they read at weddings such a lot. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. And if I give, well, I'm going to read from the top. If I speak with the tongue of men, tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love must be from your heart. It must be truly caring about people and caring about one another and about the Lord. And you cannot have that sort of love if your faith is not filled with joy, with the joy of the Lord. It's impossible. You cannot and what Paul is saying is here is you can do everything right. You can live an exemplary Christian life, but have nothing at the end of it because you had no love. Not the love that, is, um, that comes from, from the joy of the Lord. Um, Romans chapter 5 tells us that we were enemies of God, sinners, helpless, dead in trespasses and sins. And Ephesians tells us that God did something about it. He, but God, who is rich in kindness because of his great love for you. It, it, uh, I think that, am I quoting wrong, Ephesians? Don't look at me. If I, if I start to quote wrong, tell me, but maybe it's not wrong. Oh, yes, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But you had to believe. Christ, God did that for you. He did that. He raised you up with Christ, but you had to believe. The two things go together. You have to do something in your faith, and he does something. And when you reach the end, when you see Christ, and, and, and you, you can stand before him and, and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, or, or whatever he says to you, you will say honestly from your heart, but I did nothing, you did it all. But you will have had to put effort in. Work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Do whatever it is he's calling you to do. And what he's calling you to do is find your joy in him because that joy glorifies him. That joy glorifies him. So you have to find your joy in him and fight for that joy. Um, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 15. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Do you see what I mean? I labored more than everybody, 
but not mere God's grace. God, God is God's grace. And all I'm saying is, what I'm trying to, to say is, I've said at the beginning of this, you have to fight for joy. And why I'm saying that is joy is linked with faith. faith joy is part of faith. If you don't find your joy in Christ, you are not a believer. Not really. Do you see what I'm in shock, horror? You should all be shocked now. Shocked that she could say such a thing. And is it really true? But what I'm saying to you is Christ is everything. He is. And if you don't know him as everything, you don't know him well enough. And if you don't know him well enough, you don't believe well enough. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Do you see what I mean? So now when you hear, when, when you hear God say, Christ is enough, or let's say you hear him say, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. You should receive that with a burst of joy. Oh God, your grace is sufficient for me. It shouldn't just be, yeah, I know, but what am I going to do? Do you know what I mean? So it's, that's the work we must do. We must work to believe these things. That's what we do. That's the fight. It's the fight for joy. Um, Jesus says, or um, God said, that we have a finished work of salvation in Christ Jesus. Doesn't he say that? That it's all done. Yet in Romans chapter 8, he said, we have to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. We have a part to play in our salvation. And that part is that we have to fight to believe, fight for joy, fight for faith, fight for peace, fight for those things. It seems incongruous that we must fight for peace, but you have to fight to hold on to it. Because all of the circumstances of your life, and I know I've said that before, I've said it several times, all of the circumstances of our life tells us something else. It will strip us of joy and strip us of peace and strip us of faith and all of that. So we have to fight to maintain it. But, you see, whenever someone says to me, I've got to fight for it, I just think, oh, well, I might as well sit down now because I'm not good at fighting. I'm not strong. I won't win. No, you don't feel like that? The thing that we have to understand is that we're fighting a battle that's already won. It's already won. We are in Christ Jesus and he is in us. And he, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He won the victory that he freely gives us. Do you see what I mean? So now you're not exactly fighting for a separate thing. You're just fighting to still the voices in your head and lay hold of the truth. That's what you're doing. But the truth is there. See, I said, and I, I, when I do these things, when I teach these days, very often I hear a voice in my head which says, but I mean, this is just so simple, Anne. You've said this over and over again in all these different ways. They get it. I mean, move on. Come up with something more, something deeper, something more intelligent that they can all grow, you know, that they can wrestle with. I have to fight that in my head 
often as I'm actually speaking. Because I'm thinking, you've all had lunch and you're bored and you're tired and I've got to say something different, otherwise I'm not going to keep you awake. So, what shall I do? Because that's my fight. And all of the time I have to fight and say to myself, there are layers to this that I haven't even got to, <laughs> that we won't get to until we see the Lord. There are layers to fighting for joy, this joy that we will never get to. There are layers to the peace of God that just is so deep, it's deeper than the deepest ocean. We will never understand. But we must try to get to that place where everything that we're hearing with our human ears and seeing with our human eyes is laid at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ and where we say, I think you said it, Maureen, I don't see what's going to work out here. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't even know what the next step is going to look like. Yet I trust in you. Yet I will find my joy in you. When you can't find joy of your own, what are you going to do? Come on, you've got to wake up. You're all fast asleep. What are you going to? When you can't find joy of your own, what are you going to do? Fight for joy. Yeah, where are you going to find your joy? How are you going to find your joy in Jesus? In the Word. So, what are you going to do? Open up to Numbers chapter 18. Leviticus, Leviticus, that's full of joy. <laughs> what are you going to do? Seriously, what are you going to do? <sighs> yeah, his promises. But, but what promises? This is what, you know, what? Yeah, that he's done it all for us. But I mean, just draw on your own experiences, your own experiences this last year. Okay, just your own life. You don't have to s- tell everybody what it is. Just think about your own life this last year, this last few months, whatever it is. Think about that. Think about what's been happening to you. Think about a promise that fits your circumstance. Just don't tell me, Just think about a promise that fits your circumstance. And then ask yourself, do you really believe that? Do you believe that? And then when you can say yes to that, rejoice. Rejoice in that promise that actually fits perfectly your situation. That it's almost like God specifically gave it to you. See, that's what we have to do. We have to walk, wake up every day and fight the stuff that comes at us with the word of God. But specific words of God, you know, I mean, who can find it in Leviticus? I'm sure it's there, don't get me wrong. But, you know, you need to know You need to know the word of God so well that when you're faced with a situation, maybe not immediately the word will come, but you'll know more or less where to find it. When you can't understand something in your life, what are you going to (laughs) do? What did you say, Maria? Yeah, okay, okay. What are you going to do when you turn to the word? That's the right answer, but we can't just have that because that's the right answer. So what, when you turn to the Word, what are you going to do? When you look at the Word of God, what are you actually doing? Yeah. And? And? And, and, and. What is this? Okay, this is, like, this is what we should be doing. See this microphone, right? See this on my ear? I know I look like Madonna, but you know. So, she's a bit old now, isn't she? She shows you how old I am. So... 
this word of God should be held up to your ear like an earphone. And you should be listening. Listening. You know, this is God speaking. It's God speaking. I mean, it's impossible to even imagine, but he's speaking. Right now, today, through this word. So when you can't understand something, you're going to say, I don't understand this, Lord. I do not understand why this is happening. I thought you answered that prayer and we got sorted out. I thought we were all sorted out, Lord, and it was all fine. And then something else happened and knocked everything else off and now I'm back here. I don't understand. Yeah. So where are you going to go? Yes, exactly. Yes. So what will you do when you don't understand? This is what I'm trying to do. What will you do when you don't understand? Ask for wisdom. Where will you find it? In the Word. Whereabouts? <laughs> See what I mean? I, I want us to get beyond. Get, go deeper. Go deeper. Say to God, look, I, this is my situation. This is my situation, and I don't understand it, and I don't know what's happened or why it's happened or how to move on. I have no clue what to do. Okay, I'm going to listen to you until you tell me. I'm going to do this until you tell me. Now, I want to ask you the question, do you believe he will? See, that's it, isn't it? That's Yes, but that's where it is. Now, I'm saying that is your fight for joy. That is your fight for faith. It is when I don't understand. You tell me, Lord, you'll give me wisdom. You tell me you'll give me understanding. I'm going to listen to you until I get it. And I'm not leaving this book until you <laughs> give me that understanding. Now, no, that's not always practical. Sometimes you have to get up and go to work. I do understand that. But... <laughs> Well, that too, maybe, that too. But it's the principle of it. It's the principle of it. You have to keep on keeping on. That's the fight. Because if the enemy will come at you and say, well, yeah, but I mean, you've read all of John's gospel, and you, I mean, what have you heard, really? That's what he does. So... Yeah, there you go. That's what I mean. But sometimes you have to keep on. And that's the fight. And that's the fight for joy. And that's the fight to find your joy in God and not in your circumstances and not in immediate answers. Uh, Christine and Margaret, and um, you know what I'm going to say probably, they were praying and, and uh, they said something yesterday and it was about being privileged with silence. And it really struck me that God gives us the great privilege of silence that is he doesn't immediately answer you have to wait and that is a privilege and I had never really seen it in that way but that waiting builds your trust if God were to answer you every time you said something dunk 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 he would be like um a piece of chocolate when you need a sweet. Do you know what I mean? He was just like, everything immediately. 
I, I'm not sure that you meant it that way, but that's how I was thinking about it now. That it's that idea of waiting, and, and that even in the waiting is the fight. Yeah. I do understand that I trust my God. Yeah. That this is what's best for me. Yeah. Even I, can't yeah. I, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. But that's a fight nonetheless, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's the I same thing. Mm. That mm. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, I would say you have understood. You haven't understood your circumstance, but you've understood who God is. And that's what we're fighting for. I don't understand my circumstances. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I prayed this thing and it seemed okay and now it's not. I don't know. But I know this, that I can trust you with all of this. And that's, that's God answering you with the truth. Um, when it's all dark around you, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm not listening to you, Maria. I'm just not listening. What are you going to do? When it's all dark around you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when it's all dark around you? Nobody's given the right answer. I can't believe it. You've been here all day and you still haven't got the right answer. Come on. Yes, but it can be dark around you. Don't get smart. What are you going to do when everything's dark? What are you going to do? It's so easy. This answer is so easy. You are going to look to Jesus, who is the light. Who is the light? When you can't see anything else, you can see Jesus. He is the eternal light. He is the eternal sun. He is the light of the world. He is your light. Do you see what I mean? It's like, but you have to fight for that because your eyes won't automatically go to Jesus. Your eyes will go everywhere else because your mind will be spinning and, and wishing around. You have to make yourself do even these simple things. Now, if I were to go around the room and ask you, do you do this? I mean, if I asked you out loud, you'd all say, yes. But really ask yourself, do you do this? Do you do this all the time? Do you do this when life is hard? Do you do it when you can't find joy? Do you do it when you don't understand? Do you do it when you, everything around you is dark? Can it be a process that you work your way Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. That's the fight. That's the fight. I mean, you know, people who ha suffer from anxiety or fear you know, which is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy. When you're suffering from anxiety or fear, you have to fight every moment to bring your mind back to the truth. And that is a battle that you have to do for days and days and weeks and months on end sometimes, years on end. But it's in the fight that God is glorified. That's, I think, that what we... Because the victory's already won. You know, when Jesus looks at you, when God looks at you, he sees a victorious person because he sees you in Christ Jesus. 
So whilst you're having to walk out this life of fighting and coming back to the truth and, and all of that, he sees the finished work. You are already glorious in God's eyes. Do you see what I mean? You are glorified. Actually, he's out of time. He doesn't live in our time frame. So when God looks at you, Ruth, he sees a glorified child of God. And when you're fighting through those battles, you don't see that, but he sees that. Because it's already won. Proverbs 21, 31. Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. What does that mean? I love the Proverbs, because half the time you don't know what they mean, do you? <laughs> so it's just great. So there's that one. Okay, what does that mean? The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Put that in 2017 language. <laughs> I'm not giving you any clues. Just tell me. Proverbs 21, verse 31. Tell me. Okay, put it into more words than that, Jenny. Bring a horse into it. I'll tell you. Okay, I'm going to go into battle because he's told me to fight. I'm going to prepare my horse. I'm going to put my sword in my hand. I'm going to get a good night's sleep. I'm going to eat breakfast properly. I'm going to stoke up the engine of my fire for God. I'm going to get on my horse and out I go. But victory belongs to God. <laughs> he will give me the victory. And I mean, I, you know, obviously I don't get on my horse, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Okay, you've got a battle to fight tomorrow. I don't know what your battle is, but you've got one tomorrow. A battle about something that isn't the way you want it to be. A battle about your life that is not quite right. A battle about someone in your family or whatever. Okay. You know it's all in the Lord's hands. You've been a Christian long enough to know that God's going to do it. That his will and his purpose is being worked out. But you have to get up and fight so what are you going to do? It's not enough to say, Lord, I know it's all in your hands. It's wonderful it's all in your hands because then you've got to wake up. Do you know what I mean? There is some way of going about it and the way you go about it is you choose to make yourself ready for the fight. And the way you make yourself ready is you pick up the sword of the Spirit. You put on the full armor of God and you stand ready to fight, trusting that there will be no need because he's already done it for you. There's a fantastic example in um, uh, Second Chronicles. I think it's chapter 17. And it's about Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. And he hears that this big army is coming towards him and he's afraid. And so it says, because he was afraid, he turned his attention to seek the Lord. And he prayed. And the Lord um, said, you only need to stand in this battle because the battle is mine, basically. The battle is the Lord's, not yours. Now, you see, the thing is, that's what Christians know. You know the battle's the Lord's, right? So all you want to do is go to bed and leave it to him. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. And so Jehoshaphat wakes up in the morning 
And he's already been told, you don't have to fight this battle. The battle is the Lord's, not yours. But Jehoshaphat doesn't just stay in bed. He brings all the troops together and he assigns people to go in the front and to sing praises. And they actually go out as an army. And the singers sing. And when they get to where the battle was going to be, the enemy's gone because he's already done it. But you see what I mean? They had to go to bed. They had to get a good night's sleep. They had to get up. They had to put the armor on. They had to go out praising God. That's what we do. And the battle is his. So it's like, um, uh, what, is it Second Chronicles 17? Is it? 20, thank you. So, look, Second. Chronicles 20, verse 20. They rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat said, this is paraphrased, listen to me, put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him. And they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah. So they were routed. But they had to go out praising God and rejoicing. That's the fight we fight. That is the fight we fight. And they went out doing that, having already known. God has already said, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. They already knew that, but they went out rejoicing, ready to fight. That's what I mean. That's what God means. You have to get ready to fight. That means you have to know the words. You have to know the stuff to put on. You have to be able to pick up the right weapon and to go out in the confidence that God gives you. And there's no easy way. Do you know what I mean? They didn't have a whole group of people who stayed in bed. They all got up. And sometimes the getting up is the fight. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes just getting out of bed is the fight. Yeah. It means that we are praying or uh, praising or we're trusting in him that he will do it because it says, doesn't it, those that wait upon the Lord yeah. shall renew their strength. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. What does that mean? Right. So put yes. So um, you might make plans. We are to make plans. We have to make plans. We're humans. We live in the world. We have to make plans. They may or may not happen. Right? They may or may not happen. Choose to find your joy in that. Choose to find your joy. Whether they happen or they don't happen, God has his way. Choose to find your joy there. Psalm 127, verse 1. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. What does that mean? Some. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. But what does it say here? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. You are supposed to build the house. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. You're supposed to be a watchman. Do you see what I mean? So it's not that God does it and you don't have to. It's that together you do it. And together is the fighting. That's where you fight. Because you read a thing like that and you say, I know, Lord, that if you don't build this house, it's not going to be built. But I'm getting up and building tomorrow. Do you see what I mean? So it's, it's like... Fighting for joy means taking the word of God and making it real for yourself and understanding it's not God who just sweeps through and does it all. It's like, you know, nobody has to do anything. You have to get up. You have to stand. You have to fight. Joy just doesn't come. Not the joy of the Lord. You have to fight for it. You have a place in everything. You would go out and give the gospel, wouldn't you, to somebody? Maureen always does that. I'm going to pick on Maureen. She's hiding behind there. But Maureen goes on the street in Sirencester and she gives the gospel. She gives the gospel. Does she convert anybody? She doesn't. Who does the converting? God. But should she go on the street? That's what I mean. It's the both together. It's both together. God brings the outcome, but she does the. She speaks the word. Um, okay. So, we understand all of that, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Somebody read Matthew eleven twenty eight. I mean, if I'm supposed to fight all the time, <coughs> what does Matthew eleven twenty eight mean? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Sorry, yeah. Um, yes, I do. I do. But you can read on to 30, please, Maureen. Okay, so I want to ask you, is it supposed to be rest to be a Christian or is it supposed to be a fight? I mean, we've spent the whole day talking about fighting. Fighting for joy, fighting to find your joy in Christ, fighting. And then along comes Jesus and says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. What is it, rest or fight? 
Right, right. Cooey down there. I can Ooh. hear you up there, Brian. It says work to extinction. What? Work to Who extinction. are you upstairs? <laughs> I mean, honestly. I don't think the Lord's got a Devonshire accent. Well, <laughs> he has. I mean, be quiet up there. <laughs> okay, the answer is both. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so what would the fight be then? What would the fight be? Now answer that if you can. Silence. What would the fight be then? Yes, the fight to find your rest in Christ. That's the fight. Find your rest in Christ. Rest in his finished work. Rest in the fact that he walks beside you, that you are yoked to him. Rest in that. Find your rest in that. And that is a fight because the whole world is telling you to rest somewhere else. The world says rest in your money, in your success, in your good looks. <laughs> I'm not answering that, Maria. <laughs> rest in your business, rest in your strength, rest in all the other things. And the Bible's saying, rest in Christ. So you know there is going to be a massive fight to rest in Christ. It's, that's what I mean, you see. It, all of these scriptures, you look at them, you read them, we know what... Jesus meant, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We understand that on one level. But now add to that the fact that you have to fight for faith, fight for joy. And understand that the enemy will f want you to rest everywhere else. You're going to have to fight. So often people say to you, just rest in the Lord. Yeah. 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 It's a fight. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I know, that's what. We're always waiting to catch it by osmosis. You know, did you remember? Did you learn about osmosis in school? Yeah. I mean, I learn. love that word. I just love it. It's, you know, yeah. Do you know what osmosis is? You probably Hello don't because you're not as bright as me, are you? No. Science is my worst subject. I'm not good at science. But osmosis, you know, where plants go green, you know. <laughs> Isn't it? There you go then. <laughs> oh. oh, I like that word too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Come on, Anne. I mean, now you all know the reality that I really am bad at science, <laughs> but. Oh my gosh. Hello, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, oh, Anne. Yeah. Say that again upstairs. Anne, may I ask a question? Oh, yeah. Um, when you said rest in his finished work, mm. does his finished work mean the last day? No. Right. Okay. Um, if I'm understanding you right, Juliet, the finished work of Christ is that everything is for your victory is accomplished. You are already saved, so that means you're already justified, sanctified, and glorified. The whole thing is a done deal. There's nothing you can do to get out of it, and there's nothing you can do to get into it apart from Christ. Okay. 
yeah. So um, it is work. It is work. So uh, you know, I know. I, was, I really knew what osmosis is. I just wanted to. <laughs> no, I didn't actually. Thank you. <gasps> I just must use the word and not talk about the definition. So <laughs> osmosis. We all think it's going to happen by osmosis. We're just going to whatever it is, breathe it in or whatever, you know, and it'll happen, but it doesn't. We have to fight. We have to fight. That's what you're saying. Fight to rest. It doesn't make sense, but we must fight to rest in Christ. You do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people say all the time, don't they? They say, um, well, we've talked about this a lot, Fran and I, um, we have a phone friendship. I hardly ever see her, but we phone a lot. So, um, uh, you know, people will say, well, you shouldn't get tired if you're working for the Lord because you should be working in the Lord's strength. You know, you just get to the end of the day, I just think, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, you know, I so said, what does that mean, working in the Lord's strength? I know, but the thing is, you've got to get up and you've got to go out and you've got to work and you've got to sp- hours studying and hours doing this and hours doing that, or whatever it is you do. It takes effort and we live in a human body and of course we're tired. So if anyone ever says to you, you shouldn't be tired if you're working in the strength of the Lord, punch them. <laughs> well, you know, not literally. But say, because that's just nonsense. It's nonsense. You, you have to, we have to understand, you know, we're human beings, we live in a human body, we get tired, you know, we get irritable, we get ratty, we get angry, we get this, we get that, all of those things. It's not that we get those things, it's what we do with them. It's what you do with them. You understand you need to rest in the Lord. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But you're going to have to fight to re- hold on to that rest, to find your rest in him. Yeah. And that's the thing. Mm. So, um, actually, we're coming to that again, Juliet. So now we're resting. I'm saying it again. It's on my notes. Um, resting in the finished work of Christ, in His, in, in His living and His dying and His burial and His resurrection. And you must rest in the fact that you are now and forever right with God. You are right with God. You are in the right place. And all of the stuff of your life and all of the times that you fail and all of the times that you get depressed and all of the times that you can't find the energy to put one foot in front of the other make no difference. You are in the right place with God because you have trusted in Jesus Christ and you are resting in him. That's what it means. Rest in him. Rest in what he's done. So, you've got a sin in your life. I know you haven't, but, you know. You've got a sin in your life, and you've got to fight it. Because you know you've got to fight it. You can't have sin in your life, because God doesn't like it. And actually, you don't like it now, do you? No. You don't like it. It's a fight to get rid of it. The Bible says that you are now, you have the power over sin in your life. You are no longer under the influence of Satan. You are out from under his um, power, dominion, but you've still got you've got some sins in your life, and you've got to fight to get rid of them. Yeah. Okay. You have to know that you're fighting from a position of being already forgiven for that sin. Do you see what I mean? You're not fighting to get forgiveness. You're fighting because you're forgiven. 
So now, what is... Uh, you don't have to shout your sin out, but whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is, that is a forgiven sin. And you can't defeat a sin that isn't forgiven. It has to already be forgiven for you to be able to have the power to defeat it because the only sin that's forgiven is that sin that has brought you to Jesus Christ and where you've received his spirit. So that, do you see what I mean? You were a sinner. You had no power over the sin in your life. You were under the dominion of Satan. He had complete control over you. You never knew it, but he did. And you couldn't stop sinning if you tried because you are a sinner. Because being a sinner is not what you do, it's who you are. Now you've put your trust in the Lord Jesus. And you are now and forever, what? You are a saint. Look at yourself. You are a saint. Now you can fight the sin in your life because you are fighting as a saint and not a sinner. It is a forgiven sin. It is a redeemed sin. It is everything has been done about that sin. So now when that sin presents itself to you and you hate it, you can say, actually, you're done and dusted. I mean, it might take you a while. It took me 10 years for one of mine. But, <laughs> but you can do that. It's, you're forgiven. Totally and utterly forgiven. So now you're fighting from where? You're fighting from victory. What does that mean, actually? Because that's a nice Christian phrase. We fight from victory. What does that actually mean? You yes, yes. And more than just the forgiveness for it, because sometimes we want the forgiveness, but we want to still do it. So you have power over it. You do. It may take you a long time to exercise that power. Because sometimes we just, it just does. But you have the power over that sin because you have the Holy Spirit within you. And that sin is defeated. And so when you wake up in the morning and you did it again last night and you think, when am I ever going to be free of this thing? Know this. There will come a day, this side of heaven, when that will be gone. Because it is a defeated sin. Micah, chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Almost done. More cake coming. Micah, <laughs> chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Uh, but as for me, I will watch expectantly. Micah 7, verse 7 and 8. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. I mean, just read those words over and over. Micah 7, 7 and 8. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the, for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. These are your verses. They're my verses. These belong to me. 
This is the truth about us. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Whatever is going on in your life right now that you feel defeated by, depressed by, in despair over, know this, that God will raise you up. You will rise again. And that there is nothing in your life that is not defeated already. It's just for us to lay hold of that. And that's the fight, to lay hold of what is already yours. Paul will say in Philippians chapter 3, I have not already attained it, but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of me. I think it's Philippians chapter 3 verse Uh, 14, 12. Um, I want to read it exactly because it's just a fantastic verse. 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. You have been laid hold of by Christ Jesus and the fight for you is to press on to lay hold of everything he has already attained for you. Ephesians chapter 3. 18 to 20. I'd like to say it's the final one, but it isn't. It's almost the final one. Understand this prayer. Understand it, that what Paul is praying here, what God is praying for you. Um, I've said 18 to 20, but Ephesians 3. uh, I'm going to read from verse 16. Uh, This is Paul praying that he, God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God." Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This experience, this, this prayer, wrap that around yourself every day if you have to, that, that, that you are loved beyond anything that you could even imagine and that God is able to do exceedingly, that was the way way I first memorized it, exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you can ask or imagine. That is the God who, who has hold of you. Walk in the fullness of that. And when you can't, when you find that there are things in your life that are just too hard, repeat after me, repeat after me that I know this love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that I might be filled up to all the fullness of God. Just keep on reminding yourself of these things. First Peter chapter 1. If God is devoted to his own glory being shown, then he will show his glory through you. 
If that is what he's all about, to reveal and manifest his glory, then he will reveal and manifest his glory through you. First Peter chapter 1. I love this chapter. Well, I love loads of it, but you know, I love this chapter particularly. First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice even though now, for a little while if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proving of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Can you see what he's saying? The sort of joy that you have is inexpressible. Inexpressible. There are no words for it. And there are no words because it's all about God glorifying himself through you. And you can't even contain the thought of that. It's too wonderful. You are protected, what does he say? Protected by um, the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You are being protected right now, today, through your faith. Even though you might be distressed by various trials along the way. You are protected through faith. Have you come through a trial? Have you come through a trial? You're sitting here today? I mean, how is that possible? You've come here today, you've come through a trial, it's hard, it's bitter, it's still going on, but you're sitting here today and you're listening about Jesus. You're, you're listening and reading about the Lord Jesus. That is glorifying God. God is glorified and he is glorified and because of that you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. <sighs> so, it's work. I've got a couple of things to finish with. Don't imagine that you're going to find that joy. Don't imagine that you will find the joy that I'm talking about by going to a Chris Tomlin concert. <laughs> you won't. Don't imagine you'll find it sitting next to a spiritual person that will rub off on you. You know, you'll get a bit of joy. You won't. You won't. This sort of joy, the joy that we're talking about, has to be fought for. You have to fight for it. It's there, but you have to fight to experience it. That's what I'm saying. <sighs> First Peter chapter 8, I, I said it was the last thing, it isn't really. First Peter chapter 1 verse 8, though you don't see him, you believe, therefore rejoice in him. What is Peter talking about? Why are you rejoicing in Christ? You know, how do you know? 
you don't just do, Maureen, actually. How do you know? <laughs> do you know how you know? You know because the Holy Spirit lives within you and he <laughs> makes you know. I know you know that, but it's just like, it's so good when you can't think of it because then I can think of it. You know that because he lives within you. And the fact that he lives within you causes you to rejoice because you know that. You know he lives within you and you have that joy. You can't explain it sometimes, but you know what it's like. That's the joy I'm saying. The harder your circumstances, the more you must fight because it's there. The joy of the Lord is there, but you have to fight to experience it. I'm sorry, Maureen, I'm still looking at you. I mean to be looking at everybody else. (laughs) Think of the thing we looked at with Paul. He had no reason to be joyful. He had no earthly reason to be joyful, yet he was full of joy and rejoicing. That's why he said in 2 Corinthians 6, we're sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Okay, I I am nearly finished. I am almost finished. Look, I am. I'm right at the end of my notes. So, um, so there's what to finish with. You have to make no mistake. You've got to fight for this joy. You have to fight for it to experience it. And, um, and it will take discipline. It takes discipline and effort. You know, those things that we hate. <laughs> it takes effort. <laughs> and you have to do it. But I'm telling you, that joy will enable you to overcome the sorts of things that people struggle desperately with in our world. And they will enable you, that joy will enable you to witness to those people, to witness to those people about the Lord Jesus. So I've got some last points. How then will you fight for joy? Understand this. I'm going to read these from the page because otherwise I forget them and you add things. So I'm just reading. Understand that the joy of the Lord Jesus has come to you by the Holy Spirit, but you have to fight to experience it. You have to fight to experience that joy. That's number one. Number two, you won't like this one. Determine to battle all known sin in your life. All known sin. I mean, hopefully you've already got rid of lots of the big ones. Well, there's no big and little, you know what I mean by that, you know. But you have to determine to fight the sin in your life. You have to fight it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. Number three. Determine to fight that sin in the reality that you are a forgiven, redeemed child of God. You're not fighting for forgiveness. You're fighting from forgiveness. Number four, and this is the biggest one of all. It's not the last one, but it's the biggest one. Understand that it is a fight to see God as he really is. As he really is. And not as he is presented by the world, not as he's presented by the people around you, but as he presents himself in scripture. It is a fight to see God like that. The all-sufficient God. The God who satisfies every hunger, every thirst in you. That is a fight. Understand number f- one, two, three, four, five. You have an enemy who seeks to deceive you and distort the truth. You have an enemy. And you must gear up 